I love you. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I am uh, the Green Traveler from Gorsh, and I'm going to have to, we're back to being across the internet waves, and I'm going to have to get used to the fact that I'm, I've am i shaved the hair off of my human flesh, <laughs> off my face there, and it's uh, it's very weird seeing myself talking yeah. this camera. I haven't, I haven't looked at myself talking without, <laughs> without facial hair. <laughs> well, it looks good, uh, and... Uh, are are you worried that you know the green's going to show through? Is that why? That you're uh, no, I'm not worried about that. I think the fle- I mean the flesh is still there, so <laughs> I just got the hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks good. What's uh? Thanks. I'm I'm the faceless Leod, so you hell know, yeah. Uh, I've been covering that mess up with hair for a long time. So. <laughs> Yours is a little more off-putting. I at least have a good human suit. <laughs> hey, hey, don't talk about my human suit. <laughs> <laughs> Your human suit doesn't have a face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that. We put on those, like, you know, I got one of those uh, those glasses with the nose and the mustache attached. Groucho Marx glasses? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I even have the cigars. (laughs) So, we're here talking about Guillermo de Toro's... Yes. Cabin of Curiosities. Another entry into the eerie Halloween time. I know we're weeks after Halloween, but this came out right at the end of Halloween. There's just so much going on. They were, exactly, they were very yeah. happy to give us TV yeah. in that season. Yeah, oh, for fucking real, man. It's all on Netflix. If you've ever watched Alfred Hitchcock's Presents, it has yeah. all of those feels. Uh, I mean, there's even feels of, like, Stephen King's Creep Show. Right. Like, all of that uh, good atmospheric that, horror. That show that was hosted by um, the guy who played Will Riker. You remember that show? Will Riker, he had a show, and he's, he presented short stories, and he's like, uh, I don't, it wasn't called Fact or Fake, but it was it was like, some of these Man. stories are true. Some of them. Fear Factor? No. That was Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, it, 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 it's also, you know, it's very Twilight zone at the you know scary stories to tell in the dark sure yeah those it's like it's scarier twilight zone those twilight zone could get pretty scary i, I would argue yeah um, dude i'm i'm in love with this idea too like uh, uh Guillermo del Toro you know he won the oscars he became a huge fucking name and a lot of people in the horror world of course like you and me we've known him for years yeah like you know ever since like yeah, uh, Labyrinth. I had him over for dinner last weekend, and it was great. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're good friends. <laughs> Us and Guillermo, you know. <laughs> but no, I like, like, I mean, probably Hellboy is the first thing I probably that he made that I've watched. I don't know. That's but... a good question. Oh wow, Hellboy actually came out before Pan's Labyrinth, so yeah, definitely Hellboy would have been the. Oh no, never mind. Blade Two. He did Blade Two. 
I didn't watch the Blade wow. movies, but I think... I didn't know he did Blade 2. I think That's that crazy. Pan's Labyrinth was probably the first that I watched it, but it was uh, like during finals week in my Spanish class, yeah. and I d- uh, did some studying and, and homework instead. Yeah. Yeah. But it was on. That's fair. And then when somebody said, hey, let's watch this. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? I was, I was like, no, I, I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> and then we started watching it. I was like, wait, I know this story. Did this steal from <laughs> a different movie? And they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, I recognized everything that happened uh, before the little girl finds the labyrinth. And, yeah. and then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is a completely Dude, different movie. But anyway. It's a damn good movie. Like all all of his his whole filmography is good. Like mm-hmm. you know, because I have since, you know, watched well, everything that he's ever done. I'm not I, a I, huge did, was he did he direct Crimson Peaks or just produce it? He did do Crimson Peak, yeah. That was his I, I, uh, I wasn't such a fan. fan. I remember enjoying it to an extent. It wasn't yeah. like my favorite Guillermo del Toro, but I remember watching it and being like, "Hey, okay, that was good." Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, like walked okay. away like I need to watch it more to understand it more because I didn't really understand it. But mm. I like the the look of it, the horror aspects of it. Like, yeah, because Guillermo and horror is great. You know, Guillermo del Toro is he has such a really good grasp of horror. And, like, he can make, like, he makes horror very watchable is the thing. Yeah. Because it's, like, there's a lot of horrors that are, like, all right, we're going to jump scare you. Right. And, you know, th- that kind of horror, I can't stand. Like, I've gotten to a point where it's, like, you know, you hear the music start to ramp up. And I'm just, like, oh, my God. I'm just going to close my eyes. I don't care about yeah, this. Creep- like, I don't yeah, want jump your scares. concept. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what Guillermo is so good at is, like, his ideas that he has. What's the – he has this one – I think it's, it might be Kronos. It's probably not. I can't remember which one it's called. I'm going to scroll real Mama. fast down here. There's filmography. The Devil's Backbone. Oh, the I Devil's Backbone. I've seen that one. I think you did because I think we watched it together because I was doing my horror movie marathons. And uh, it, it's, it's like kids at an orphanage and it's a little. It's not like a Western film, but it has a little bit of a Western like. It's out in the desert kind of area. It's in the Spanish Civil War. Okay. I think I um, remember. But I, I can't I remember a lot. Remember I know there's a kid that was drowned and stuff, but like, there's some horror elements in that movie that really just kind of creeped me out when I watched it. And like, that's the thing is like, he, he is good at horror and he has now gotten to a point where he was like, I want to make a show similar to Alfred Hitchcock Presents where he gets a lot of the best horror directors working today and just lets them make their own fucking like you know go crazy yeah. a lot of these stories are based off of other things like uh, other a lot short of stories are and... based off of stories that guillermo wrote uh del toro wrote. well two of them are okay two of them yeah. are. two of the eight i think so i mean you know fourth of them but a lot there's like there's two of them are guillermo's i think two are hp lovecraft uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of little stories like it's, it, it, but it's like, it's really nice that he got to this position of like power in the filmmaking industry and he's giving it back to creators where he's just like, I just want to make this anthology show that, you know, each story is its own thing. 
They don't have to come together. It's actually really fucking great that they're not in the exact same universe. It's really nice and refreshing. Yeah. Because it just allows yeah, the directors to come in and dump their whole style into a horror story and just have a shit ton of fun. And, like, I don't know. It really fucking pulled off because, right. like, Halloween was rolling around. Coming home after work just to watch an episode of this was, like, a really fucking was a, a great joy. a like, little mini horror movie. Um, yeah, it was to. so nice. Um, Put on some hot chocolate and sit down and just be like, yeah, scare me. <laughs> I think that we have to kind of go through and talk about each of them because they are each their own thing. Uh, there's eight episodes, so uh, it probably is going to turn into a deep dive here. Uh, and I think maybe we ought to get started. You want to tell us about Lot 36? What's in Lot 36? In no, just tell deep. me about Let me tell you about Lot 36. So, uh, it's directed by Guillermo Navarro, who has been a cinematographer for Guillermo del Toro for uh, a lot of things. And he directed episodes of Hannibal. So, uh, there's another one Tasty. in here who directed a lot of an- episodes of Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Good horror stuff. Uh, and it's it's written by this is one that was written by Del Toro. It's based off a short story by Del Toro. Uh, it's also written by Regina Carrado. I don't know who that is. Um, I'm sorry, but it stars Tim Blake Nelson in a very very good role. Just because it's like there's a lot of times you'll hear us talk about when we're talking movies and stuff where it's like we hate the main character. You know, it's like we're not supposed to root for him. You know, it's like why why are we watching this? And that's because we're spending like two hours around this guy. Tim Blake Nelson is a character you're supposed to hate, but you only have to spend 40 minutes for him and you're waiting for him to get his comeuppance because it's a short story like that. Yeah. So it really fucking works. And he's, he's that kind of, uh, um, it's, it's, he's a xenophobic right wing nut. Yeah. Is like a way to put him. Yeah. But selfish. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he, yeah. It's because he thinks that everything, bad happens to him and it's probably honestly because of what you put out there nick but this is my least favorite role by tim blake nelson because i I, he did a really good job but i hated the character yeah that's fair i was gonna say i I would say this is my least favorite character because in regards to role he did such a good job job. he really he really does a good job of making this character so easily hateable because what this guy does is he goes to storage units and he'll he'll buy up you know storage units that have gone to the state or whatever because the people have deceased or they didn't pay Mm -hmm. and you know all their stuff gets turned over and you know he just buys it and sells whatever good stuff that he can find and uh he he even buys this one lady's estate and she just wants her stuff back that's it she's just like can i get my like i i can't remember what she's looking for but she has some of family members you know that she really wants back because they're very val- not valuable but because they have a lot of emotional attachment and he's just like no it's mine you know get off my property like get out of here yeah and it's just like it, it, and she doesn't even want any, you know, anything of value. Yeah, like that's one of the reasons he buys these things. Shit. Photos. That was right. Yeah, yeah, it was photos of her of her father or something. Yeah, like just old family photos. Like you know, yeah, that's all she wanted. But when he gets in there uh, to to another storage unit that he finds, uh, he starts finding. Uh, I'm a little hazy on this because it was obviously the first one we watched. 
He finds well, it was occult items, right? Yeah, he finds. Uh, yeah. I believe. Was it a book? No, it wasn't just a book. I think the main thing he found was this seance table, and he brings it to That's right. this woman who he knows who can appraise it, and she's like, "I think this is a seance table. Very rare. Very yeah. Very intricate. Very old." Uh, I'm just going to bring in that guy from Fringe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But before that, he he, uh, figures out how to open it. And there's like three books inside. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the books come um, in. They are books of incantations and such. Mm -hmm. And that's why she brings in Sebastian uh, Roche. I believe, or Rochelle, yeah. uh, who plays... Yeah, the guy who played Thomas Jerome Newton in Fringe. Gotcha. I forgot, and I still yeah, forget one of the villains. that particular character. Uh, Just him, though. I love the villains of Fringe. The villains, villains of Fringe are so good. Yeah. They yeah. are. But is that... I think he was like first or second season. Huh? The first season? I think he... He was either first or second. I can't remember. Okay. okay. I feel like he was a precursor to the the guy who played Moriarty. Right. When, uh, okay. Yeah. See, I thought I, David I thought he name. was the first character. That's why. Maybe he was. Maybe the, maybe Sebastian Roche came after him. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've watched that show. Yeah. Same here. But I think go what, watch Fringe, everybody. It's such a fun it's show. It's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Lot to remember though. But yeah, he they bring in Sebastian Roche. He 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 sells it right. He does buy it from. He's like, I'll give you half now and half when we get the last book because there's another book missing or something. Yeah, like he that. said if we find the fourth book, I'll give you this much for the lot of them. And yeah, like three hundred thousand, like yeah, a huge. It amount. was a huge like, amount, and he's being uh, Tim Blake's character, Tim Blake Nelson's character. He is hard up for cash because some uh, loan sharks or gambling debts yeah. or something like that. Yo, somebody. Yeah. These first two these first two episodes kind of blend together because the uh, the characters are very similar. They're hateable characters who owe somebody money and are being yeah. very selfish trying to, like, get money to pay it back. <laughs> right, right. I feel but worse it, for it, the it, next guy. I I do feel worse for the next day. He's a little more likable, a little more, not not yeah. a lot, but a little more. Yeah, but he's. We'll get there. <laughs> he's stealing from the dead. Yes, yes, he's... he is. I said we'll get there. <laughs> it's awful, man. It's bad. But to wrap on to wrap on lot thirty six, uh, it does have a really great like poetic ending, where you know with Tim Blake Nelson's character, uh, let's say trapped in a certain area. And that woman he's been screwing over being his choice, like his only avenue of escape. Right. Love it. It's yeah. a really good ending. And it, it really does set up the entirety of this show because it's like you watch this first episode and it, it has such a a good, like, if you don't like Stephen King, you've probably not read any of his short stories. And if you read his short stories, you might like him a little bit more because they're more succinct. You know, he's not rambling forever. He wraps up a really good horror in like, you know, 20 pages or even less. And it's like, it ha- that that's the kind of feel this whole show has. And especially that first episode is it has such a strong like Stephen King vibe mm-hmm. where I was just like, I was in. 
I was immediately in. And yeah, Lot 36 is a really good opener. Yeah, know? I thought it I was like a it good a opener. And I do think out of all of these, this probably does have the most Stephen King vibe. I'm not sure. Uh, I think Graveyard Rats, the next one, has... Honestly, Graveyard Rats and The Autopsy are two stories that Stephen King has written versions of. <laughs> so, like, he has his own version. There are nothing He's like in so regards much. to I where they end. say anything is unlike something that Stephen King has written. I know, right? <laughs> and, and a lot of these stories, a lot of these stories do take from, you know, classic horror tales, right. you know, like or, oral traditions and everything. But, like, he has a version of Graveyard Rats. I mean, it's not called Graveyard Rats, but it's, like, it, it's the precursor to Salem's Lot. It's oh, okay. good. I think it's actually just called Jerusalem's Lot. It's in Night Shift. Um, but it, I just remember that there's, a like, a graveyard scene with massive fucking rats everywhere. He even has another... He has... <laughs> I think it's also Night Shift. He has another... Uh, uh, story of this like factory that's being cleaned out and when they get into the basement it's filled with like massive rats and then the further further down they go the bigger the rats they find it's it's yeah so, and that's yeah. pretty much what happens uh in uh grave rats but before we get a, a little bit further in that i did i don't know if you mentioned uh amelia's uh the, who acted that character uh, it was Elpidia Carrerio, and um, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to give credit, and I couldn't even remember her name. Oh yeah, well, I I looked it up while you were talking, <laughs> Amelia. Um, yeah, you're right. But anyways, <laughs> graveyard rats. So as we mentioned, uh, Mason, who is played by David Hewlett. Who I know from Star the Stargate series, uh, he was a side character in SG One and then became a main character in Stargate Atlantis. Oh, I actually I do know him because of SG One. Yeah, I looked up his name and I'm like, yeah, I do know that name. <laughs> <laughs> so he owns I don't know somebody in the cast list a lot of money um, for gambling debts or something. Uh, and all he has in life is running this uh, cemetery. He uses that to grave rob, which it seems like a lot of people are doing to get by. Uh, it seems like a very competitive market uh, in, yeah, in yeah. this particular <laughs> world. Um, and at a time, it, it really was. So he, you know is having trouble with that though because the rats are stealing all the good stuff and the bodies um, <laughs> from the caskets before he even has a chance to pilfer and he usually goes like the night of you know like right he doesn't waste time get it why the, the dirt is loose. of that too yeah yeah like him explaining it to the 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 tough guy he's like Dude, fuck yeah. off. Rats are taking He's like, the blood. rats, what they get to the bodies about? first. He's like, what are you fucking talking about? You like saying the rats are boring into these wooden coffins and like stealing bodies. What are you doing, man? Yeah. And so one night he finds a really rich guy who he knows is going to be buried with some priceless stuff, including a sword. And he had some good teeth and right? some gold teeth. A lot of gold teeth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and he opens up the casket right as the rats are pulling him away. So he's like, not this time. <laughs> and he overcomes his claustrophobia and he goes down there and he f- <laughs> fights giant rats. It's ridiculous, but I, I fucking love it. I think it's hilarious. It's so good. And the big rat, too. Yeah. The very the very last monstrous rat. The big mama. Mm. Oh, I love the design of that. It's yeah. so Oh, I just disgusting. remembered the, the feeding. Yeah, I just remembered that. Yeah. Oh. 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 Man, why you gotta remind me of that? No, it's it's so good. And, it, like, the good thing about this one is it's, like, where the last one uh, had a more serious tone and everything. This one, I mean, it still had some, like, some humor and, and, and pushed in there. But this right. one has, like, a goofy feel. You know, it's, like, yeah, a, a very... It, but it's still It's partially still serious, the language. Still, like, yeah. it's... It, especially Maison. He, he is very well-read very well spoken and a lot of people around him are like dude calm down like stop talking like a book and right yeah it 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 adds some humor to it for sure because he's still like that while he's fighting these rats (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's good and then like it does get a little claustrophobic too when you're trapped in those tunnels with him and you're running from the big rats and everything like Really good work. Uh, it's another Hannibal director, Vincenzo uh, Natale. Yeah, uh, directed yeah. some episodes of Hannibal. So there we go. Another a second one. This one was the. I would say this one probably has the most Stephen King vibes. I guess that's what I wrote down in my notes, at least. Uh, but yeah, it's it's another one of those where you have like a hateable lead, and you know you're the the comeuppance at the end is is deserved like and you don't feel bad watching it happen either because it's like um i don't know like i mean obviously it's like you don't want bad, like people to die or anything but given the sins that they have committed and the lack of willingness to atone for any of those sins you know it, it, it feels deserved it's just like you know it's like a, it's like a, a, a bittersweet ending at the end where yeah. you're just like oh, i'm sad that they died but but you maybe shouldn't be stealing from these dead people. Uh, right. I, I though you know at the same amount, at the same amount, Jesus Christ. At the same time, <laughs> I, I don't know. I am very much on the give me a green burial train. You know, like don't don't put <laughs> anything in there with me. You can't use it down there. That, that, that makes no sense to me. Right. Uh, but, you know. I want to be uh, combusted into a diamond and shot into space. I mean, that's fun, but, yeah. you know, still litter. <laughs> I could become a star in a billion, million years. I'm going to become mushrooms and integrate into the soul of the earth. And Dude, I'm gonna that's do my second idea. Is I, wanted, I want to become a tree. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, that's my second one. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, oh, it's also just to give it since I already mentioned Vincenzo and Natalie. It's based on a short story by Henry Cutner. You know what I just realized? Don't, I never read or anything. But if you put me, this blobby molecular mess, into the earth, that might be a really bad thing. That might <laughs> that might kill kill all the organisms. Create a toxic waste dump. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know. We'll have a, they might we'll have, have to incinerate right me there. after all. 
Well, no. Maybe they'll put you into a diamond and shoot you into space, Maybe and they'll they create like a an arch nemesis plan. Maybe they could crush us together. And Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be adjacent to you for all eternity. I don't want to be crushed with you for all eternity. <laughs> but then if one of us hits an asteroid and the other doesn't. Or a meteorite. Then I'll just have to remember you fondly for the rest of my eternity. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I think we talked uh, that one. I, I feel yep. like there's not much else to say. Uh, Moving on to the autopsy. Yes, please. Uh, directed by... David Pryor, who uh, did a recent indie horror film that I haven't seen, but I've heard good things about, and I've heard a lot of negative things about. It's called The Empty Man. Um, I wanted to watch it this year, but I kept putting it off because I'm bad. Uh, But it's also written by David S. Goyer, who has done a lot of superhero stuff, uh, like Dark Tower, or Dark Tower, Jesus, Dark Knight, and uh, what else did he do? Oh, he also did the Blade Trilogy. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah, The Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Blade Trinity. After. (laughs) Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., (laughs) Call of Duty. (laughs) 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 He's done a lot of shit, man. Uh, But it's based off a story by Michael Shea. It could also be based off the story by. uh, I mean, it's not really, but Stephen King has an autopsy story and everything's eventual, um, where a guy gets bitten by a, a snake. And everybody thinks he's dead, mm. and they're performing the autopsy on him, but he's he's alive and he's experiencing he's everything that's happening. Yeah, he's just paralyzed, and it's it's yeah, it's a creepy story. I love that one. That's really good. Um, but this one's a little different. This one is you have the great F. Marie Abraham, who is called in by a friend. Uh, I think a government thing, right? Isn't it a government project Sheriff, or something? Uh, Nate Craven. Sheriff, yeah, you're right. Sheriff Nate Craven. Played by Glenn uh, Turman. Turman. Yeah, Turman. Turman? I I thought my dyslexia was getting the better of me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's called in to do some autopsies. Um, and as he, as he, starts performing those autopsies he starts to you know unravel the story that happened behind these autopsies as well as the fact that uh there is an alien parasite within one of them that can control the bodies that it's in and uh what follows is a very exciting and and unraveling of this mystery and some incredibly gross like autopsies there's like i think there's three autopsies performed in this Mm -hmm. and they are they feel realistic they feel really just like in depth and like you you see like the needle going through flesh and it just like everything looks good yeah like it looks really well done and really gross because i remember just watching this episode and just being like oh my god like i could not be uh, a mortician no a coroner Coroner's the yeah, okay, yeah. mortician or is the yeah, one who not. dressed them up, possibly embalm them uh, for burial. Oh. Yeah, there's a there's an autopsy video game that just came out, and I've watched YouTubers play it, but I would never play it. It looks so, oh, 
Like you, <laughs> yeah, you, one of you, you're funny. you're doing autopsies, and one of them is possessed by a demon, and you have to figure out which one is possessed by the oh demon, and then you gotta yeah, you gotta perform certain rituals to get rid of the demon, depending on which demon it is. All right, you said oh. the Game Grumps played this, not the Game Grumps, but uh, YouTubers. Uh, but yeah, this this episode really fucking nails that feel. Like it, it makes me want to watch the Empty Man more, the the movie that the director of this episode made. Because this episode is so fucking good, yeah, like, it's pretty good. There's some really good tension in it too. Like as as the story unravels more and more, as you go deeper into it, and you learn more about F. Murray Abraham, like he is. This is the the switch of the from the last two as well. Is F. Murray Abraham as the lead is a really likable guy. You're really rooting for him. Mm-hmm. You want he fights a good ending. He fights so well. He's, he fights so well. It's it's yeah. You you really are rooting for this character, and you're like yeah. you want, uh, you know you maybe not even just a good ending, just a a winnable ending. You want something to happen yeah. out of it that you're yeah. just like, come on, you could do this. I think you're rooting for him. Like he, it, it's just so smart what he does. Like he said, there's one point where he tells the alien, "You're forgetting something," and it's like yeah. very <laughs> ominous. And it really fucks with the alien. He's like, no, fuck you. I have control here. And right. it's just it's just so good. And yeah, the ending of it is really good. But for some reason, this was the one that I had the hardest time remembering. I, I remembered it as you were describing it. Yeah. It's like I don't know. This is this was one of my more favorite ones because it's like again with the last two. It works that it's a hateable character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's not it's not a hindrance to the story because it's, you know, you, you get that deserved ending, the, the finale and everything. This one's so much different, though, because it's coming at a, a likable character mm-hmm. with with an obstacle, a huge obstacle to overcome. And, you know, and also the mystery unraveling is so much fun, too, because it's, I mean, it's F. Murray Abraham, like, narrating everything, too. He's, like, reading it all. Like, oh. Good shit all around, man. Like, this was a fun one. Let's move on to The Outside. Uh, Outside? This one is uh, directed by Anna Lily Amirpour. Amirpour? Yes. Um, She's another um, big indie recently. There's a, I haven't watched it again, but it was another big indie horror movie called uh, The Girl Who Walks... I gotta look it up. Girl Who Walks Home Alone at Night? That it's a very long familiar. name. A girl walks home alone at night. It's an Iranian vampire spaghetti western. Like <laughs> it sounds really awesome. Interesting. And it got good reviews and everything. But yeah, he he does it again, man. Guillermo gets all these like awesome like independent up and coming horror directors, and he's just like go to town. Yeah, and this one is a very interesting body horror with really good commentary on uh, uh, how society expects women to appear and 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 be and the main character is uh stacy played by kate micucci i think it's micucci micucci okay i think so uh of garfunkel and oats right yes i think so yeah um she she's i i've I don't know that I've seen her in a role like this. I think so. It's like she's more in comedy usually, yeah, right? She's, she's not usually, usually I've in. at least only ever seen her in 
in comedy, but she's yeah. also a voice actor. Um, and yeah, Garfunkel Notes is like a musical thing that she did, which is a lot of fun. Oh, um, was it just a? Was it just music? I thought it was also. I don't a know. Show. Maybe it was a. It might have also been a show. She's just done a lot of stuff recently. I just know Garfunkel Notes, and you're right. She's she plays Kate slash Oats in it. <laughs> uh, nice. Okay, so I, really I just like want to make too. sure that we I have think, the right person. But <clears throat> I think it's kind of funny, also, that like um, uh, she's you know they have her in this role where, as you said, it's like it's all about society and how they force women to feel like they need to right. look, yeah, and like and they, behave, like yeah. <laughs> It's so funny that, like, you know, they can show, like, Kate is such a good actor that she can show, you know, the different sides of her, like, the, what you would just probably call a normal human being versus, like, the model side, where at the end of the, at the end of the episode where you have, like, her, she looks as glamorous as all the other ladies she works with now, you yeah. know, and it's like, it's, it's, it's really funny. Like, she does such a good job She's at like, pulling off these different yeah, so wow. at the end, just to, like you said, it, it, it's not really a spoiler at this point, but what they're like, what What did you do different? And she's like, uh, they're <laughs> like, did you cut your hair? And she's like, yeah, that's what it is. I cut my hair. Just, yeah, <laughs> just my hair. Uh, but what actually happens in the show is uh, pretty interesting and perturbing. Um, <laughs> pretty gross yeah pretty gross so she gets invited to gina's party this is a co-worker the most popular co-worker and she's rich uh and she doesn't even need to work um and she's played by kylie evans and she shows up and she's gotten all the ladies uh aloe glow aloe yeah. glow i can't remember how he says it uh she goes home and she's she also is a taxidermist and she oh yeah made right. a yeah. uh a mallard i believe for uh gina but there was no other yeah. gifts exchanged at, yeah because she was told yeah. it was going to be a secret santa yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah anyhow everybody else was weirded out by that and she decided that she could not go to work anymore and started using this aloe glow stuff because Dan Stevens showed up on her television. <laughs> he is the man, either the man who created it or just the spokesman. But he also has magical powers over televisions to yeah. encourage women to use aloe glow. But it's also Dan Stevens. I know we talked about him very recently. Uh, he was in, I know uh, he was rental. the beast in Beauty and the Beast live action. Well, the rental. Remember we are talking about the rental? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he yeah. was in the rental. That's and, right. And he's yeah. also in Legion and Downton Abbey. So many things. Um, but yep. anyhow, I, I really enjoy him. And this is a really good role. But it's another yeah, it's one where really it's kind of weird. Like they, they, There's a couple of accent roles that he does. That he has. Uh, one is the Eurovision. Do you remember? Did you watch Eurovision? Oh God! Okay, yeah, he was the Russian Eurovision. guy in, in Euro yeah. Eurovision. Um, but now he's doing some other European accent. I think it's supposed to be German. 
and <laughs> he's trying making encouraging Stacy to use this stuff and uh right. eventually she spends like all of her money on buying it because it's super expensive even though even though she's having like allergic reactions yes, to it yeah it is making her skin like fall off basically yeah yeah and nasty. she's like that this is this is how i get beautiful on the outside and her husband uh keith played by martin star is like you don't need to do this this Poor is keith. really bad for you you should stop uh yeah and eventually uh he's like uh, she says can't you just encourage me in this i'm trying to transform here yeah and there's this scene where like all of it bubbles up into this box and she uses it like a bath and it's so weird and oh uh it's so gross yeah yeah it's really good dan stevens talking to her too from the tv is is almost hallucinogenic at times like you don't know like there's there's so many times where it's like where her husband will walk in and you're just like is he going to respond? Like, is he going to react to what, what she's like, yeah. well, who have you been talking to? What's going on here? Is it like, is it all in her head? Is, is like, yeah. you know, and he so does many... to an extent, but he's also like, he's, he's a very reserved man and he doesn't want yeah. to tell her how, how to live her life, but he does show concern. He's like, Hey, right. You, you shouldn't do it. He's like my role model. I loved him. Dude, that's the thing. <laughs> Except it's, for, it's really, he didn't understand her still so yeah exactly yeah. exactly that's what i was gonna say is like it's it's really cool how he is a good person yeah because he is you know he's telling her you know you don't need this you're beautiful like i think you're beautiful like you don't need those those crazy work friends like that too like you know they're, yeah. they're you hate them they're not us like that kind of stuff and you're like he is still being uh encouraging but in a way that he sees as encouraging yeah. you know like yeah. he's not encouraging what she wants him to encourage at that point and it's really it's really kind of funny how like she's making him out to be this villain like she's right. making him out to be an obstacle when he's not yeah and he's trying you know, to help i really love that yeah, it's a really good yeah. story in that way and this one also has a lot of dr Who vibes like yeah uh, like the 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 ointment itself has a lot of adipose definitely likeness uh-huh. Where it's very gross and coated. I kind of thought it might go that icky. way at some at one point. Right, it, I I definitely was expecting that, and also just the uh, just Dan Stevens talking from the TV. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember the? Uh, 100%. There's an episode of Doctor Who where uh, there's that lady speaking out of the TV, uh-huh. and she's trying. Uh, it's like it, it's when London first has TV sets. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like everybody's gonna be watching TV for the first time. She's gonna soak their minds out. <laughs> it did feel like that. And uh, doesn't oh. he come out of the TV at some point? Maybe not. Um, no, I don't think Dan Stevens does. I I've been watching too much Who lately. There was an angel that came out <laughs> of TV just recently. There is an angel, yeah. Okay, well, crazy stuff. I think that before we move on to the other episodes, that we should take a soda pop break because I am I fresh out of drink. <laughs> I agree with you. Let's do it. We'll be right back. I love you. Oh my so, goodness. Yes. We've been yes. going we for back? a little bit. Ah. But I, I suspected well, that. Let's, I suspected let's that. Let's be back. Let's be back. We're eh? back, eh? Hello, hey. Okay. Hey, hey there. Hey, okay. we're back now. 
So, I forgot to mention on the last one that it's based off a webcomic by Emily Carroll. Oh. And I only mentioned it off the bat because the next episode is Pikmin's Model, which is based off of a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. And, uh... It has a lot of that feel. Like, you get a lot of that immediately. You have young art student uh, Will Thurber, um, played by Ben Burns, who is, uh, he goes to class, you know, they're all, they're all doing their, their studies and everything. They're about to paint this, uh, this guy, you know, how you have models come in, you paint them and everything. The guy. Or draw them. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, you know, they're all supposed to do this. They're all supposed to work on it. And uh, there's a new student that comes in, uh, Richard Pickman. And, Richard uh, Upton by- Pickman. Upton, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's not in the Wikipedias. <laughs> well, it's on I Am De Buh. I Am De Buh. But yeah, he, uh, Richard, uh, or Pickman, as we, we should just say, since yes. the name, Pickman's model. Uh, again, amazingly played by Crispin Glover. Yeah. I love Crispin Glover. Yeah. Probably his best role I've ever seen. Probably. But I have to say, like, when they first talk to him, when, uh, William first talks to him, the accent I felt was European, but it's definitely American later. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like maybe in that first scene, he wasn't quite so sure, uh. I he got I there, took it as it was he was really reserved. Good. Yeah, yeah, he he is a reserved person, yeah. and he thinks that William is the only person who understands him. Yeah, exactly. And I took I didn't take it as an accent issue. I took it more as he was just he he didn't know how to talk to this this that, person. It could be what he was doing, and so he was very quieted. Yeah, yeah, and, and but yeah, he when when Will takes a a peek. At Pikmin's work, you know, because he wants to see what the new guy's up to, uh, and and at first class that is, he's almost immediately disturbed. The guy's drawing is quite different than everybody else's. Yes, it's like it it, it gets to like the, there's something about it. There's something off putting about it. It's kind of grotesque, and he he wants to know more though. And he gets invited back to Pikmin's apartment, and Pikmin shows him a lot of his other works. This one has the the. The woman in the painting, right? That's the yes. One. That that's the, the one that he has hidden away. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember what they, what he he called her. Anyways, uh, but but it's just like it's it, it's disturbing. It really messes. It gets into uh, Will's head, and it just stays there like a nightmare. And you know, years pass until you know he sees uh, Pikmin again, or or something along those lines. Like maybe they're still friends. I don't remember. He is out of his life, but then Pikmin comes back into his life years later when it, when during a moment where um was he about to propose to his wife uh Thurber um, or to his fiance? No, or? they were already married. Uh, but uh, no. So that yes, uh, okay. I, I think that was before the time jump that you were thinking of the scene with him and his uh, fiance. He was supposed to meet her parents and fucked up real bad and was... Oh, that's right. Uh, bec- and it was partially because he was drunk. But he was drunk because yeah. of the things that he saw in Pikmin's paintings. Uh, right. And then you flash forward and they've been married and they have children. Maybe just a son. I can't remember. That's right. That's right. He is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... it's 
it's pretty crazy. I don't remember a lot of what happens in the back half of this episode because the front half is really like it's really good setup. But it's yeah. directed by Keith Thomas. Keith, th- th- that's right. I remember now. I was struggling with this one because I had a preconception because Keith Thomas directed the Firestarter remake, which is one of my least favorite movies of this year. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> and so I remember seeing that note and having trouble with this, but Chris McGlover got me through it. Because he's fucking amazing. Well, but I can I, help the, you the with back the back half. half. I don't remember too much still. I can help you a little bit. So uh, he comes back in to his life first by sending a painting forward. William almost refuses to look at it, basically. He, right. he in fact, tells the deliverer to send it back. Then uh, he gets... This being Pikmin gets introduced to this art or artist circle or whatever of uh, curators or uh, gallery owners. I don't know. But anyways, William's a part of them. And so is Joe Min- Minot, uh, Minot, I think is actually what how, what they call him. But that's uh, Seamus Patterson. Might be Seamus. Another friend from their class. Yeah. yeah, another friend from the class. And Joe introduced Pikmin to uh, these people to try to sell his art. Because he thinks it's like That's the right. new best thing. And Pikmin has become a name a little bit um, on the side. Right. And... I remember that now. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what to say from there. Uh, other than that, it really throws William off that he's back in his life because that's why he went nuts and really on the, yeah. the, the sauce and almost lost his wife. And she yeah. she sees him slipping. Uh, this is her. His wife's name is Rebecca, uh, played by uh, Oriana Lehman. And yeah, that's right. she. Thanks, he's I really again. enjoyed this one. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I really enjoyed this one because it's. Uh, I do remember now the ending where it could be because it has that that bit of confusion where you don't know if Chris, if Crispin Glover is evil. You right. know, you don't know if he's causing these things no, or if it don't. is all just a figment of of thurber's head right you know because there's you know, something because about the drink, the, i completely forgotten about i think you can definitely read this one that there's something uh that he has some sort of mental illness and it was triggered by his work i think you could totally right. read that one this way um, and the artwork is amazing yes too. it really, really is pretty cool artwork. Uh, i don't know who the artist was for those paintings yeah sadly i don't know but I do feel like it being H.P. Lovecraft, we could almost assume that it's real, given the other stories. It really depends how much uh, of the lore, how much this story is a part of his other collections, I think. Depends what it's collected with. I don't think I've read this story, because it it didn't ring a bell to me at all, but I definitely want to. I mean... I want to know how much they like hyped up the or amped up the um the character drama because yeah. you know I don't I don't I never read the H.P. Lovecraft short story so 
Well, I I really, that was the thing I really enjoyed was because I I don't know. I I love Crispin Glover and there's like moments where you're like, this guy's evil. And then there's other moments where you're like, dude, he's just innocent. Wants a friend. Come on, man. I really like Like, that. (laughs) Both views of it. I think it's really smart for that reason. Moving on, I think to another HP Lovecraft story. (laughs) This time directed by the lady who directed Twilight. Wow. Catherine Hardwick. Well, you did better in this. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Did she direct all four or five of them? I I think only the first one. Okay. Well, that movie was not that bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for dissing on you so hard. Um. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Dreams in the Witch House is what this one is called. And it stars Rupert Grint. So she, you know, Yay. she she directed Twilight, and then she gets to work with cast members for Harry Potter. This is like a a, a a retry, and then we can say yeah, that she's... Rupert Grant is from this instead of Harry Potter. But she also already worked with people from Harry Potter because Robert Pattinson's in Harry Potter. There you go. She did. <laughs> yeah. Rupert Grint when he's very young his little sister his twin sister rather dies of an illness and he watches her spirit get trapped uh, or dragged away (laughs) actually or something dragged away yeah yeah to the forest of lost souls that's right so fucked man that is pretty fucked Uh, so he becomes a paranormal investigator when he grows up the character's name is Walter Gilman, by the way. And, nope. uh <laughs> So lame. <laughs> I'm Walter Gilman, paranormal His sister's name was Epperly, and throughout the episode... That's a good name. She is portrayed by Daphne Hoskins. This, all, this episode also stars uh, Emmanuel Cruz uh, Cordova, who we just talked about, uh, as Frank Elwood. He's he's good in it. I, I he's he is um uh the partner of Are you frozen? Are you there? I'm here. Oh, okay. You just stood very still for a moment. Um I was trying to figure out you you said we had just spoke of Ismail Cruz and I was trying to think I was like, when did we just speak of him? It uh rings of power. Oh my god. That, <laughs> uh, we, we literally wow. just recorded it. <laughs> yep. Uh you're right. No, I didn't I don't I don't know if we uh, I guess we did say his name in that. It just it didn't. I was looking at his photo and I was like, I know I know him from something, but yeah, <laughs> what wow. is it? What what is it? And, <laughs> and once upon a time, I think we did talk about Mary Queen of Sp- Scots and he is in that as we well. We did. Yeah, that's right. Their partners, like I said, the the bureau kind of wants to shut down and Frank wants to give up because there's not really any money in it and he's kind of disillusioned uh, by it. But it's still really important to Walter and Walter knows for goddamn sure it's real uh, because he's seen it happen. Uh, so he finds these, I believe, uh, this is based in uh, Massachusetts, like all of Lovecraft stuff, I, I think. Uh, and he goes and, and meets Native American people who have this drug that allows you to shadow walk or something like that. 
I think that's what they call her, maybe Dreamwalk. Yeah. Um, and he ends up in the Forest of Lost Souls, and he finds her. That's that's the story. Uh, and the story. Oh, but it also has to do with this house. He. The, yeah, the witch's that, house. The witch's house. So this witch, uh, uh, Kaziah Mason. Kaziah Mason, played by uh, Lizzie Johnston. She, um, <clears throat> she lived in this house and was killed and did some kind of curse thing. I don't remember. There's some kind of legend proce- prophecy, and it has to deal with the Gilmans in some way. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I can't quite remember uh, what the prophecy was, but there's also this painter who lived there, uh, Mariana, played by Tanika Davis, and she had all these visions about the twins and stuff like that. So it, it all you can't ca- forget the human faced rat. Oh yes, the familiar of uh, the witch. I can't remember his name. Is it Jenkins Brown? Jenkins, Jenkins Brown. Yeah, yeah I can't remember. For the life of me, I don't remember why he's a rat with a face. I don't either. Honestly, that's this whole episode's biggest problem. My problem, in my opinion, is I I was so lost in the storyline. Everything to do with with Rupert Grant and his sister and the Force of Lost Souls, I was digging. Everything to do with the witch and the house and everything else, I just could not care less about. I didn't I didn't know how the two connected. I was like, and it's on me. It is on me. I was not paying as much attention, but uh, you know, it's th- this one just did not grab my attention at all. I still liked it. <laughs> yeah, I did. But it was like one it. of the it was one of the two episodes where I just like I left it thinking that didn't move me. Right. That was just okay. It you know? also felt like a Doctor Who episode though. The 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 way that it yeah. almost ended, like it was kind of like a quick turnaround kind of thing. There's a twist at the very very end, but right. Uh, it, the witch stuff in the house kind of had a bit of uh, Crimson Peak vibes. Yeah, that's true. It did, <laughs> but it, it did. It also, I feel like, very much felt like a Doctor Who episode. Man, you, oh definitely. Which just cancel this yeah. show and talk do a Doctor Who show. If you want that, that's what I've been saying. If man. you want that, Let's please watch. let us know at patreon.com slash green faceless. And uh, that would be very helpful to us if you do that. Yeah, I'm saying, man, we watch, we go to the classic series and we watch each, not each episode, but each like series. Start. Yeah, you know, so like each, each time arc, yeah, episode, arc, you know, like the four episode story yeah. arc kind of thing. And we talk about that and all those four episodes. Okay. So just let me go to well, town. We're done with the just rest of this bullshit. <laughs> no. Okay. We're done with movies. Real man. quick. We're, I, we're just going to Doctor Who only. Before we move on to the next episode, I wanted to say that the Rat Face Man was played by DJ Qualls. And, oh, thank you. Yes. And he plays the main character in The New Guy. Have you seen that? The New Guy. Yeah. It's where I have he's like a total uh, a geek guy before. That was not at all what I expected him to look like. I just pulled him up. <laughs> I know, me either. He's not in Breaking at Bad. All. He was he's in a, Breaking he's the Bad. One kid in, yeah. Oh. He's also in Lost. Who was he in Lost? Well, anyways, the new guy was a favorite of me and Corbin's. It was like a Oh my high god, Johnny. Movie. He was... 
Do you remember in Everybody Loves Hugo, uh, the the Hurley episode where he's working yeah, at the... Yeah, he's the Hurley's chi- friend. Yeah. Yes. He was Hurley's friend at the, the chicken place. All right. Yeah, we're nerds. All right, moving on, moving on. Tell me about the viewing. The viewing. <laughs> if you remember a long time ago, we reviewed an epi- a movie... Uh, called Mandy, a Nick Cage as part of our Nick Cage playlist. It was something, uh, you know. Y'all love that one. We got we got returns to the Nick Cage playlist. It's <laughs> that was first a fun time. I want to start our Marvel playlist from the very beginning. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Jesus, we gotta go back. Go back. <laughs> you remember what the first one is, right? <laughs> Would it be X Men? No. Which one is it? <laughs> it's, it's Howard the Duck. Ah, <laughs> oh, you suck. It's not canon. Watch this movie <laughs> with me. <laughs> You're the worst. I've always forgotten about that movie. Shit. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yes. God. I got I mentioned I mentioned Mandy. I mentioned Mandy. Because it's directed by Panos Cosmatos. Right. Uh, it's really fucking weird. It is. It's got all the the weird, crazy, I'm an artsy director that you could ask for, all that energy. And he brings all of that to the viewing. It's it the one really weird out there in style episode. Um, and it's, you know, it's very colorful. You got blended colors, muted colors. Uh, there's lens flares on every single fucking kind of surface imaginable. Like... It's, it's, it's beautiful. And, uh, what it's about is a wealthy recluse, uh, named Lionel Laster. Uh, you're gonna have, have to help me with the, was that Peter Weller? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Wikipedia doesn't line up character names with the actors. It just has the cast down below. It's, it's hurting me. Well, luckily, he invites a bunch of of the cast list. No, it's not. I think the next one is, but this one has a very small cast list. Yeah, and he invites a bunch of people uh, to his his pad, to his place of residence, to uh, just discuss things, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, he wants to. The, the, why it's the called the viewing is because they're going to look at this thing that he has. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, they but go they to don't another. Know that they have no idea why they're yeah. there. Well, that's the second half of it, too, yeah. because the first half is just a long fucking conversation where they're all just sitting around, yep. like, getting high and doing yeah, shit. Yeah, very much getting high. A lot of getting high. And there's like, Eric Andre's in it, yes, too. Yes, like, he plays <laughs> Randall Roth. He's, like, <laughs> this big record label guy. Like, he knows how to find the next big thing. And yeah. uh, Lionel really loves his music, his choices. And, and Randall had sworn off drugs and that kind of a lifestyle. And so that was his, you know, that was one of his sin moments was, you know, fall, you know succumbing to peer pressure, man. Yeah. And you have, uh, uh, ooh, what is, who's Charlene Yee? Charlene Yee is she? Charlotte Dr. Z. Dr. Shara? No, she's Charlotte Z. That's the character's name. Charlotte Z. There it is. Yeah, you're right. The <laughs> extraterrestrial life-studying physicist. That's right. Anywho, she is a very reserved lady. Um, you know, she's she is. Uh, I don't want to say uptight, but you know, she's not 
experienced, I guess. You know, when she's offered the cocaine, she's like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck what? are we doing now? What's going like, on, guys? Oh, we're snorting cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and uh, Guy uh, Landon, who is this novelist, played by Steve uh, Augie, he's like, Fuck yeah, finally he brings out the cocaine, rich man cocaine. This will be the best cocaine you ever have, man. <laughs> he's like he's like one of the types of people that I hate so much. Yeah. He's <laughs> like very, he, play, he, he portrays this role so well. Yeah, he's very like, pretentious, oh, I, but yet he acts like he's like down to earth. It's yeah. yeah. And who's he always going up? He's going up against. Is it Targ Reinhardt? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. It's Michael. A uh, psychic? Therialt. Um, yeah, he's a psychic. Yeah. Who might actually be a yeah, psychic, they're... but probably not, except for, I guess, probably he is not. when he gets into that room. Well, him and, him and Guy hate each other. Like, yeah, they their do. personalities are like the precise opposites. <laughs> and it's, it's good. It makes for some really hilarious moments. But honestly, for the first like thirty minutes, they're all in a same room, as we said, doing drugs and and just talking mm-hmm. and just chatting. And Sophia Butella is there as well. She's uh, she was Doctor Zara. She yeah, is his that's personal okay, health care provider and drug dealer. Yep, <laughs> and drug dealer, <laughs> and also the Mummy and the Mummy remake and the Tom right. Cruise Mummy. Okay. Got to remember that. I don't. I didn't <laughs> see that movie. <laughs> what? Come on. I could have sworn we watched that together. No, you went. This is why I need. This is why I need a camera to see. What I plan on doing is I plan on getting one of those um, instant like Kodak cameras. You know, like the old that mm-hmm. uh, prints out and everything. Right. And I'm gonna whenever I go to see a movie, I'm gonna take a photo of whoever I go see the movie with in front of the poster outside. And then I'll keep a photo out. That way I can remember yeah. when this this kind of you moments happen. You can also happen. do that on I could your have sworn phone. I dragged you to the theater for the mummy. You could, you could also do that with your phone. But I don't get the instant camera and I can't put that into a photo album. I would have to print that off in a different format. Whereas if I get an instant camera, it'll immediately shoot it out for me. I can just shake it and, you know, make oh, it Oh, like a Polaroid. And I put that... Okay. A Polaroid, that's gotcha. the word I'm looking I for. I thought you were talking yeah. about like one of those disposable cameras, and I was like, that's that that's that seems wasteful for no. you. You're you're not But no, I want it I want the I want the physical <laughs> the photo that I can put into an album. Gratification. Yeah. Yes. No, I get that. Yeah. That makes sense. I like I like Polaroid, yeah. Because I could have sworn we watched the mummy together. <laughs> That's where this all came from. We watched the trailer together a lot. The one where- <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer with a lot of people. <laughs> where it just cuts out. Oh my god, it's hilarious. If you guys, if you, if you couch potatoes out there have not watched the mummy remake trailer, uh, <laughs> just type in mummy Re- remake trailer. No sound, yeah. or no music, or whatever. Uh, it's fabulous. The, the, they they put out the wrong trailer. They did. Yeah. Like when they released the trailer, they put the wrong version out first, and it was comedy <laughs> it gold. Was man, it's so funny. It was at like the perfect moment where a silence could <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise just going crazy, man. Oh my oh. god! I remember, remember when the woman gets pulled out of the plane and like it's like her her parachute goes. And she's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, all right. Let's move on to the last episode. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, please. So, the murmuring. This one's about birds. Uh, uh, this one's beautiful. Yeah, it it is. I I. I it also, I felt like it was a strange one to end on. Because um, yeah. I don't feel it's like it's the biggest it was a name. That's why. Story. Okay, Jennifer Kent, the director. Jennifer Kent, director of Babadook. Right. One of the best horror movies of the past it decade. It is fucking awesome. And I do like this such a story. good emotional film. Um, so, Nancy and Edgar Bradley, played by Essie uh, Davis and Andrew Lincoln. They are scientists and a married couple, and they study one particular type of bird. I don't honestly remember what the type of bird was, uh, but... I'm sure it's in the Wikipedia somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it's in there somewhere. <laughs> but they are famous for murmuring, which is when they fly together as a big flock and make different shapes and stuff like that. and yeah, literally, I was walking my dog before we recorded and watched that. That yeah. was like, there's so many birds out right now yeah. because of, uh, you know, winter's coming and everything. Anyhow, they uh, get to rent this house on this island, I think, that a whole bunch of these birds are going to be at. Um, and they are there just to study them. Uh, also, in the background, they have lost their son. Or daughter, I can't remember. Um, and <clears throat> she is definitely grieving from that. And some of the birds are roosting in the house, and so they get to study them while being in the attic. and And that's interesting. It's like yeah. that they it, it it seems miraculous to them. Like these birds have never roosted this high before. Yada yada yada. Right. Um, <clears throat> also. She starts discovering these these things about the people who lived in the house, and uh, yeah, before then, yeah. yes, and she starts being haunted by them. There's this woman who uh, I I believe it's Claudette is the character's name, uh, played by that's correct Hannah Galway, and she lives with her son, uh, and she tries to hurt him. Does hurt him. Huh? She does hurt him. This is true. And yeah, that's why they're haunting. There's a the reason place. they're haunting the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, Nancy keeps on living through this and has to get Edgar to believe her. Uh, and it, it's interesting. And honestly, I don't remember how it ends. <laughs> it ends beautifully. It, it makes me cry. It's like, it's really good paralleling because, you know, uh, Edgar and Nancy both feel guilt for the fact that their kid, you know, died. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I don't think either of them was at fault. I think it was an illness or something, right, that took their, their kid from them. I don't remember exactly why their kid passed, but it's it's I causing this huge illness. wedge between them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, like, you know, he, he definitely wants to... Oh, I think I mean, it's not just because drowned, he's horny, but... Actually, I think she turned around kid, and he drowned. Like, she, like, left... Maybe left him for a moment or something came back and he was gone maybe that i mean if so it would parallel claudette because yes. claudette kills yeah. her her kid by drowning and yeah. that would make sense yeah um and it's it's really nice how it parallels how it shows you know her 
uh, um, Nancy, S. E. Davis's strength and, you know, in, in fighting the depression that comes with losing a child and everything. And, and also, you know, the, the wedge between the husband and wife is really emotionally challenging. You know, you're watching them, them still try to be friends and yet not be able to be in the same room together because of the memories that it awakens and all those, these feelings and everything. And it's just, I don't know, Jennifer Kent, Baba Duke was such a good emotional horror film. Like, it, it hits really strong because yeah. of all the emotions in it and everything. And she delivers it fucking again with there this. Like, I just, good, I watched the murmuring and I was stunned through the credits. I was just sitting there the whole time afterwards, just like, what in the fuck are these feels? Like, <laughs> and it, it does have a bit of, um, I will say at the end, there is like a, a, a run towards the light moment right. where, you know, you're talking to a spirit and it is a little cheesy, yeah. Yeah. but it's a short story, you know, and it's, it is, this one is also based off of a Guillermo del Toro short story. This is the other one that he wrote. Um, well, he wrote the short story. Jennifer Kent wrote the, the, the teleplay. Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> great stuff. Like I, I really love this one. And then the bird shit is just so like majestic at times. Yeah. I looked up, it was the starling. It was okay. the Starling that do the murmurations. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting shit. Closing yeah. statement. I think this is some great stuff. Uh, I love uh, anthology collections. Uh, so, I, I, and then this one is probably at pretty close to the top of the list of recommendations for anthology shows. Yeah. Uh, especially where it stands. Easily. You know, it's eight episodes. You can watch one a night and have a nice little right. uh, cup of tea with your horror before bed. <laughs> right, get you in the get you in a spooky mood for some nice yes. nightmares. Yes, who, who the fuck likes going to bed for nightmares? Like, there's got to be somebody out there who's like, yes, yes, <laughs> please, please dominate me in my out. dreams, demons. <laughs> I hope my recurring nightmare returns. <laughs> <laughs> there was a recurring nightmare that I actually enjoyed because sometimes it wasn't a nightmare. Like, I, because yeah. I would be doing some lucid dreaming before I knew what lucid dreaming was, you know. Because uh, <laughs> sometimes you could turn the nightmare into a wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> I will not say that that's where that went. At all, because it involved <laughs> my not, kindergarten not teacher. Whoa! Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's not where it went. Um, so, oh my god! Anyhow, I give this show a face and a half. Highly recommend. Go watch it. Hell yeah, yeah! I I agree wholeheartedly. This is everything up my alley. This is my favorite show of the year so far. Like, nice. it's it's what I like, and it was such a comfort. To, you know, hit play on the next episode every single day to come home from work and have Guillermo del Toro just walk out in front of this big old cabinet of curiosities and just, you know, you know, say something hilarious or say something just like, you know, deep or moving or just like, you know, set up the episode in some way and then be like, our director is and then tell you who the director is and put a little figurine down of that. And it's like, it was good. I, I can see myself coming back to this show so many times oh, yeah. just because it's going to feel nostalgic because yeah, it's, it just so. felt very much like classic horror, like good, good classic atmospheric horror. 
And I give it four stars. Like, nice. Fucking amen recommendation. Perfect so score good. for Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Now tell me, which and, is your uh, favorite episode? Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap up with that. It's really tough to choose a favorite. It's between three. Um, I would say it's between... No, I can, I can, I can lower it to two. It's between the murmuring and uh, the murmuring and the outside. Okay, which one's your favorite? My I need, favorite, I, need... I think, is the outside. That was really <laughs> good. Uh, it really is good. I, I felt like whole concept wise, uh, plot wise, everything that it was the cleanest storytelling, and it was also that's fair. Uh, just really good body horror which <clears throat> you know actually makes my st- skin crawl so do you remember the the end shot too of the outside it it has um where she's uh, laughing people who are yeah yeah she's smiling at the camera for like two to three minutes or maybe four minutes and it's it's such a good it's a long shot it's just like the I, if if you are a true couch potato out there and part of our patreon page uh, or if you're a patron, that is, mm-hmm. um, you would have heard in Bangers and Hash me talk about this movie that came out recently called Pearl. Right. And Pearl has a very exactly the exact same ending where it's a very long take of Mia Goth staring at the camera and smiling. And occasionally she goes crazy. Occasionally she starts crying because it's really hard to hold that posture. And, you know, her, t- you know, she's tears are pouring down her face and then it looks like she's normal again, you know, and she's like, you know, happy TV housewife kind of look. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing it at the end of the thing. outside with Kate McCucci, where she's just staring at the camera and just, it's the disturbing grin for the whole credits. <laughs> like, oh, I remember that. It was fun. Uh, I think if you choose the outside, I feel comfortable choosing the murmuring as my favorite thing. Okay. Because right, it's, be I, I love that emotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're covering our bases, you know. We're right. we're we're giving it. I don't want to give it all to the outside because I love the murmuring. That one really moved me. Like I just, I don't know. It was it was really beautiful. Hmm. You know, damn. I think it has my least favorite has to be the viewing. I I still liked it. But yeah. I, I do think that it was, yeah, my least favorite. Like, uh, just just the, uh, I don't know, the content, I guess. It's really just yeah. them sitting around having a conversation. The conversation is very interesting. Um, yeah. There's it's a trippy, so like, talk that, with the devil kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Um, yeah. I just liked everything that went on in the other ones better, I think. I can agree with you. Yeah, it, my least favorite came down with with that and Dreams in the Witch House, and I love Rupert Grant. I'm excited for his uh, acting career to continue. You know, like uh, uh, he's on that Apple TV show that I haven't watched, but uh, it's a it's Shyamalan, the Night Shyamalan show. I don't know. I don't have Apple TV. Sorry, guys. Pay us, and maybe I will. There you go. <laughs> yes, that. hundred percent. Though that's a good point. You know, the more support that we have. The more services that we'll be able to be a part of wow. and uh, review for you guys. I was, I was, you're right. It, it, please go to patreon.com slash green and faces. I was, that is totally true. I was talking about Apple TV. Apple should pay us. And oh, have, Apple should pay us. Yeah. Well, I yeah. was, I'm, I, I really want Paramount Plus. 
Uh, but yeah. it is more money a month, and I also need a new car. All right, CBS Paramount, play us, boy. <laughs> Very much, I need a new car. Uh, so, yeah, patreon.com slash greenfaces. Just get a horse. Garlic can pull you I got anywhere. a horse Just outside. Just get a carriage, actually. Fuck you, Mishibitsi. <laughs> I got a pit bull outside. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes down to Miley's favorite, to, to wrap up completely here, it's it's either dreams in the witch house or the viewing i feel like i remember less about the viewing so it's got to be that one yeah but both of those both of those i just thought were okay like right like they're not bad dreams in the witch house could have been good if it focused on one story as opposed to having two different stories because Mm. everything with the witch and and her ties to that family i just could not care less yeah i was like i don't give a fuck well maybe they're being so that was kind of funny did have a talking rat human face thing it was weird (laughs) it was weird well i think we made it to the end of the show we did it guys we did it that's been a long deep dive into guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities check it out on netflix now i hope you enjoyed it uh you know this one Mm -hmm. might be a good one to turn on to lull yourself to sleep i don't know i felt like i was pretty low energy anyways (laughs) Um, uh But anyhow, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We'll see you next time. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. Are you a fan of the show? Feel free to contact us at greenandfacelessfans at gmail.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe, or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.